Welcome to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate. I'm Charlie Hinderleiter, Director of Government Affairs for St. Louis Realtors. Today, we're continuing our conversation from last week with Brian Green, Vice President for Policy Advocacy at the National Association of Realtors. Hey, Charlie. Last week, we talked about some of the issues going on in the market today, especially around escalating prices, housing supply, and some of the policy initiatives that NAR is taking to make sure that we're reducing bias and trying to make sure that we can increase economic mobility and African-American homeownership. Today, we're going to take a step back and talk more about the legacy of the housing market, how racial segregation and racial discrimination fed into the situation we're in today, and kind of where we go from there. So Brian, why don't you kick us off with kind of an overview of of kind of the the history of how we got to where we are in the housing market? Yeah, well, that's really deep, Charlie. (laughs) You know, let's deal with maybe the last hundred years. Well, we have to go back maybe a little farther, but I mean, every major metropolitan area has maintained segregation in one way or another. Um, And a lot of people... What's interesting is there are a lot of people who are like, well, let's stop talking about that. Let's talk about what we can do today. And you and I are going to talk about what we can do today. But th- we can't kind of just fast forward because today doesn't make any sense if you don't understand how we got here. You just bump into a lot of bad solutions and misunderstandings today if you don't understand how we got here. And and invariably, my team and I and dealing with members and and others and talking about these issues sort of come up against this where a lot of folks don't want to talk about how we got here today, but then the solutions uh, you come up with are clumsy um, and, and fail to, to, to appreciate people's real circumstances. But if, if, you, if you go back, and many members have gone back this past 18 months, uh, everyone's reading The Color of Law by my friend Richard Rothstein, uh, essential reading uh, in real estate. But, you know, if you go back, you have to realize that we tried by law to segregate communities. We did that for a little while. And the Supreme Court wisely said, no, Constitution does not allow that. And then, you know, some of our early zoning was an effort to do the same, but in permissible ways. So there's been a lot more attention drawn to that. I think CBS or NBC, one of the major networks, did a, a big special uh, on uh, zoning in Berkeley, California, and how it was initially used to limit the uh, entry of African Americans into communities there, but it was also used that way in many other places um, <clears throat> intentionally. And and that history is kind of lost now when you just think it's about lot sizes and things. And so, uh, and then racially restrictive covenants, which was which was rather explicit, <laughs> but uh, viewed as permissible because they were private contracts. And, you know, the courts allowed it up until 1948, you know, Shelley v. Kramer there in St. Louis. And we actually had a companion case here in Washington, uh, Washington, D.C. that was part of that, ruled them uh, unconstitutional. But when you delve into that history, and, and when I say not just the law, but you look at the stories of what actually happened, you know, the, the circumstances. I've written about, you know, my hometown in, in New York City, Queens and how racially restrictive covenants shaped that borough, you know, um, you know, city of New York. And it's not until you really go down that rabbit hole that you realize, oh, 
And then I popped up in, in 1968. And that's why things were the way they were uh, when I was born. Um, and so you, you, need to, you need to understand that because we are you know, the living extension of those policies. And it's not like we passed a law and then suddenly everything got, got fair, right? I mean, <laughs> just think, you know, we, we, we even declared we're all equal in the Constitution. It, we didn't actually practice that. And so, sorry, uh, in the Declaration of Independence, we declared we're all equal. Actually, we, you know, the Constitution enshrined it too in the 14th Amendment, and we did not practice that in 1866 onward. We, we had sanctioned Jim Crow for another 100 years and maintained a segregated military, right? You know, so things don't just change necessarily with the passage of laws. And we have to appreciate that for, for the lifetimes of many of us here or, or listening. You know, we had, if not legally sanctioned segregation, uh, we certainly had uh, de facto segregation. And that's what we're, we're fighting. And it's not just rogue actors. It's a way of life. Uh, and if you just, you know, cruise through any metropolitan area, you have to ask yourself, why are we segregated? And then begin to investigate what are the forces that keep us that way. And so uh, it's important both in terms of government policy and what, you know, what government green lights or prohibits <clears throat> that we look at it through a lens of fair housing, but then also in terms of industry practices. So with industry, you know, we can do what we can do, but we should also be looking for opportunities uh, to deal with these more structural issues. And they are structural. The fact that there's even debate about this, I think is just, you know, misguided. You'd have to like rip out 90% of, you know, American history to not discuss it. So, so we, we have to discuss it if we want to discuss uh, economics, uh, real estate, and the future of the market. And I think we're in a moment in America and certainly in our association where these conversations are coming up more and more. And I think that's very healthy. So, for instance, St. Louis Realtors, our office is literally across the street from Creve Corps, one of the 88 municipalities in St. Louis County. And they recently renamed a park back in December of 2019. It's now the Dr. H. Philip Venable Memorial Park. And the reason it was renamed is because originally it was a house at the end of a cul-de-sac that was bought by an African-American family. And the town did not want them there and eminent domain their one house and turned it into a park so that they couldn't live there. So again, just an example of government action that was just unbelievably racist, but it's stories that are being uncovered and being told that hopefully then we can learn from that. But, but you're right that de jure discrimination where it's, it's enshrined in law is much easier to fight than the de facto, or it's at least much easier to identify easily than de facto segregation that we see. And St. Louis always ranks as one of the most segregated cities in the country. So this is a, an issue that St. Louis in particular continues to wrestle with. Yeah. Well, you know, every major metropolitan area has a story like that. And you know, may have heard uh, out in California, there's a, in, in Santa Monica, there was an African-American owned beach called Bruce's Beach, where the city seized it. And uh, it was a thriving, you know, seaside resort. Uh, for largely African-Americans, they seized it and said they were going to do something with it and didn't. And I think they used it as a park for some years, but uh, in recent years, recognized that this was 
improper and they are now giving it back to the family from whom they took it 100 years ago and there's just been an active debate about whether you know that's enough uh, just to return it i think it was santa monica but it, uh, la county and uh you know just in that 100 year time the family has kind of uh detailed what they've lost not being able not having that property in the family for that time so all of this said we don't review this history just to rehash wounds or, or just to make us all feel bad. It is to recognize the context in which we propose policy today. You know, a big part of what we want to do at the National Association of Realtors is ensure we do no harm. So we announced uh, an initiative called ACT, A-C-T, exclamation point, in January of 2020, to really set forth those things that we're doing to make sure that in the practice of real estate today, <clears throat> we aren't perpetuating these issues. And it, it's called ACT because it focuses on accountability, culture change, and training. And uh, for accountability, we mean that if people engage in discrimination today, you know, if we say we disavow discrimination and don't tolerate it, there should be consequences. And so we are pressing upon that in our industry and supporting government efforts to do more. We want to see strong real estate licensing laws that not only provide strong fair housing education to get your license, but uh, where there is a real consequence if you engage in discrimination. Many states are saying, yeah, they never see anyone lose their license um, when, you know, unfortunately, discrimination still does exist. Um, we support testing. Private fair housing groups uh, and the government do testing where they evaluate whether people are being treated fairly in the housing market. You know, we say we support that because we don't want unscrupulous actors uh, in the market. The American Medical Association wouldn't want to embrace the quacks. We don't uh, embrace those who engage in discrimination and we want to see them rooted out. Uh, so, so we support government efforts to do that. So we, that's the least we can do. Training, we want to make sure that we're bringing up uh, realtors who uh, know the law. And I'm sort of skipping. I skipped over the C, but we'll come back to that. Uh, training, we want to make sure you know, realtors know the law, know this history, this background, know that because of it, <clears throat> uh, we all have implicit bias. And we're doing training to help people see how implicit bias can affect uh, the real estate transaction. And we've working with the top trainers in this area, the Perception Institute. They're going to do some training at our annual conference this year. Uh, they've been doing training throughout the country. Um, and so that's been, that's been really helpful. And um, you've probably heard about Fairhaven, an interactive training simulation where you actually get to uh, go online and visit this fictional community called Fairhaven, where, let me just say, it's not a spoiler alert, where there's a lot of discrimination. <laughs> and so uh, you have to navigate that. And it is, I think, a really engaging way uh, to learn, uh, not only to learn about fair housing and uh, your fair housing obligations, but really to sort of develop the muscle memory uh, to confront situations. And that's really how you learn best, we think. So we're very proud of that. And then finally, culture change, the C, 
I, I, I leave it to last in part because I really think this is, what is it, the warp and the woof. You know, this is kind of like uh, where things really turn. This is the pivot. Um, you know, if you get the culture right, accountability isn't necessary. <laughs> you know, you, you're embracing it. And the training's key. Um, but if you embrace the principles and want to do right, that's going to make a big difference. And so we need leadership within our industry. We have great leaders, uh, both at NAR and, and our uh, president uh, of the National Association of Realtors. We want to make sure we have leaders throughout the country who are pushing these issues. Um, and we're doing what we can to recognize those leaders um, and say, you know, as part of our culture, we mean this. This is real. And uh, we recognize, you know, the beginning wasn't good, but uh, we are going to change that. We are changing it. And so we're doing a lot to sort of promote a culture of fair housing. And I do think um, we're seeing that, we're witnessing that uh, throughout the country right now. Well, I've got good news that one of our upcoming podcast episodes will be focused on that Fairhaven simulation with your colleague, Alexia, and one of our right. Yeah, and St. Louis Realtors past president, uh, Nate Johnson, is going to join us for that All one. All right. Nate's great. Brian, ACT sounds like a fantastic program. Why is this important for our members? Why is it important for their business? We, be we all believe that we're a stronger country as a country of homeowners. And, you know, there's this, there was this kind of... I, I want to say cynical, but uh, maybe it wasn't intended to be cynical, but this uh, provocative piece in Bloomberg uh, saying we should become a nation of renters. And I think we in, in the real estate industry push back on that because we, we believe there's great strength uh, to be found economically in home ownership. And it bothered me to see that because I, I almost feel lurking behind that is maybe a suspicion that we're not going to be able to increase the home ownership rate. And I, I say that because it is probably true that the white home ownership rate is only going to go up so much higher. But we have this huge gap. You know, the white home ownership rates at 74%, African American home ownership rates at 44%, 30 percentage point gap. Uh, Hispanic home ownership rate is in the high 40s, and the Asian home ownership rate is in the 50s. We, you know, we have not yet begun to fight, right? I mean, like we, we, we have the potential to increase home ownership by many millions. And we need to ask ourselves, well, why don't we have an equal home ownership rate for all these different groups? So we have a ways to go. Um, and, you know, the, the America, you know, is a multiracial democracy and it's going to become more multiracial we need to figure out, well, how do we go forward and make sure that, you know, there's fairness and opportunity for, for everybody. So um, that's what's in it for us all. There's a, clearly an untapped market. Um, and, you know, when, when we talked before about the credit qualifications, there are a whole lot of people, Asian Americans, African Americans, Hispanic Americans, who are credit worthy, but they're not recognized by our current housing finance system because they're renters and they're paying rent on time. They're paying utility bills on time, paying huge amounts often, sometimes up to 50% of their income and not recognized for it. And so now the GSEs and the mortgage bankers and others realize there's untapped potential here. 
and they're, they're using machine learning. They're looking at even trawling bank records where they see the withdrawal of, you know, 2000 a month to pay rent, you know, an indication that they can use like, okay, this person is, is credit worthy. Um, you know, how could, how do we bring that into a credit scoring system? It's not rocket science. If we want to do it, we can do it. And so that is where we're going to have to go. And when we do that, we're going to see, you know, perhaps first incrementally, but in time that there are many, many more people who can be homeowners in this country. And it's just going to pay dividends for all of us. So last time you talked about availability, affordability and accessibility. So it sounds like if we get those right, African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, and Asian-Americans could be millions of new potential clients for our members if we can get them into the market. A royal flush. Yeah, we can do it. Fantastic. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Is there a note you'd like to end us with today? Yeah. So, you know, I'm talking about, you know, increasing home ownership. We also have to recognize that the issue in this country has always been a combination of opportunity and inclusion. And so when, when, when we talk about increasing these home ownership rates, we're not talking about separate but equal. We're talking about uh, breaking down barriers too, to ensure that people have access to communities. And so when we see these increases in home ownership, um, what we'll also see, I expect, is Americans living together. And that is still the American enterprise. And that's where we're going to have to go. And, uh, you know, I, I think we can do it. Well, Brian, that's a fantastic note to end on. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks. Thanks, Charlie. I'm Danielle Finley, and this is Realtor Party Talk, a brief segment with members like you discussing advocacy issues and the importance of the Realtor Political Action Committee, or RPAC. Joining me today is Mark Stallman, who serves as Baldwin's Ward 2 Alderman, is a Realtor Champion elected official, and is a broker for his new real estate firm, Stallman and Associates. As a Realtor and an elected official, why is advocacy important to our industry? It is extremely important that we have a seat at the table. I've been an elected official in two different cities over the years, spent a dozen years on the Maplewood City Council have been a member of the Baldwin Board of Aldermen for the last six years. And we get faced with a lot of issues. Not everything has to do with real estate, but a lot does. And a lot has to do indirectly with real estate, such as development projects and property tax and property uh, value issues and things that'll help make homeownership more affordable or less affordable. And there are advocates on both sides. And as an elected official, and as a realtor, I see more than ever the importance of realtors being involved. No elected official knows everything or has all the input they need to make a decision, especially when it comes to our industry. We need you, the realtor, to be involved, to have relationships in your community so that you can be consulted. Most time, an elected official, if they know a realtor in the area, will go to them and say, what do you think about this? What about this issue? How, how will this affect your business or home ownership? We have to be at the table. There's an old saying in politics, if you're not at the table, you are probably on the menu. You've just listened to Realtor Party Talk.
Thank you for listening to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors. Join us next time for more on real estate news, trends, and industry insights. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate.